It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. Today, the Adam Ritz Show is on campus in Pennsylvania. I'm at Alvernia University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. All right, thank you for the warm welcome. We travel the country to meet up with student athletes and young uh, adults to talk about service projects and philanthropy, community service, and we've uh, wanted to meet uh, you, Deo, here at Alvernia University from the men's basketball team. Deo, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. We've heard about some of the projects you guys have been doing. What do you? Uh, what can you tell us that the basketball team and the rest of the student athletes have been up to? Uh, well, we do a lot with uh, the community. Uh, we try to give back as much as we possibly can. Uh, recently, we've done a project uh, to help students uh, and, and children of the young age uh, develop basketball skills, um, just even in slight ways that we can just help out, give them a helping hand just to develop them through, get them better at playing the games of basketball. Well, you've got that physical fitness, you're, you're lean, you're in shape, uh, that's a huge social issue, child obesity, you work with these kids, uh, it's got to make you feel good to know that they're looking up to you, yeah. literally and figuratively, because of the uh, physical fitness that's so important in your life, you right. can make it important in their life too. Right, absolutely. Um, Anything that we can help with, I mean, we if we just want to be uh, just mentors in, in word, that's great. Mentors in, in physical actions, we can. So, I mean, we do, we do the best to promote phys physical fitness, I mean, throughout our team, throughout the school, throughout the community, younger children. So, yeah. All right. Let's have a round of applause for Deo. Thank you so much for helping out and for all of your community service here at Alvernia University. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. Playing Get to Know You with the uh, University of Kansas Athletic Department. We're with Murphy Grant. Hi, Murphy. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Adam? I am fantastic. Thank you for your hospitality. We're here in Lawrence uh, at one of the biggest, best, uh, brightest universities, biggest brands in uh, collegiate sports is uh, Kansas. The Jayhawks, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, National Championships, Basketball. You work with the Athletic Department from... Uh, Another perspective, and this is the kind of perspective we love to get on this social awareness show, educational programming, uh, risk management, life skills, teaching these guys on the teams, uh, the ladies as well, that it, it, there's more than just athletics to life. Is this, am I jumping the gun? Is that what you do? That, that's what I do. My, my job here is uh, director of sports medicine. Uh, so I'm in charge uh, of their bodies, their health, uh, their minds sometimes, uh, but uh, passion for mine is also drug and alcohol awareness uh, and education. Okay, so... Uh, head trainer. I got that's in my in my mind. I'll just call you head trainer because I'm not that bright. Um, sports medicine director of uh, athletics for sports medicine at Kansas, yes. uh, and his name is Murphy Grant. And uh, when you talk about drug and alcohol awareness, I do a lot of uh, seminars and workshops workshops with uh, student athletes. One of my best what ifs, best examples with a student athlete is uh, prescription painkillers. And I'm sure that's a big issue with you and your student athletes and, and every student athlete across the country. Prescription painkillers is uh, something that, um, and even for normal uh, society, you know, we, we think of drug awareness, yeah, heroin, 
LSD, crystal meth. Of course, I'm not going to do any LSD tonight. I'm okay. But you've, you're on meds yes. because you've had an injury, and your doctor, your physicist, your team uh, sports medicine team trainer has given you uh, prescription painkillers. Then that's how you, maybe you can overdose on them. You, you can get in trouble with them. You can maybe sell one to somebody not thinking that's, oh, my gosh, I'm actually a convicted drug dealer now. Is, are these, am I wrong in thinking that, that prescription painkillers with student-athletes are a whole opens up a door to a whole lot of problems. It, it, it does, uh, but I think it, what's key is to make sure that you monitor what you're doing. Uh, I think here at KU, we've, we've got a wonderful staff, and our team physician works for the athletic department, which, which makes it nice from a controlling uh, standpoint with regards to what's being prescribed or whatnot. Uh, we stay away from um, really class five um, uh, pain medicines. Uh, a lot of things we do are over-the-counter, uh, but there is typically, an, uh, again, like you said, there's injuries that are associated with why they have them. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's paying attention to what you're doing and, and, and how you're giving it out. So then uh, that's drugs. How about alcohol? You said one of your passions is alcohol awareness and uh, education. Um, why is that one of your passions? Um, Again, it's about taking care of the student-athlete. I think from a welfare standpoint, there's so much that our student-athletes need to know about uh, and learn uh, and to absorb it for themselves, whether it's, uh, you know, how to open up a bank account, um, how to balance a checkbook, how to be aware of uh, the red flags that you spoke about tonight because they get themselves in those situations. Uh, once they leave here, uh, you hope you have a well-rounded student-athlete, uh, a student and a well-rounded athlete. Um, so, I'm, again, that, that's my passion on making sure that I can be a part of doing something like that. Murphy Grant is our guest, Director of Sports Medicine at the University of Kansas with the Jayhawks Athletic Department. Um, for the majority and the most part of all student athletes across the country, uh, they graduate, they move on, they're productive members of society. Uh, but college kids, you know, they take chances. They take, uh, there's high-risk behavior. There's a lot of alcohol. And um, I'm certainly not asking you to call out anybody, no names, but are there occasions, whether it's with uh, any of the departments you've worked with in the past or somebody that you even just knew of across state lines who was just an exceptional talent that blew it all because of, uh, an addiction to alcohol or maybe just uh, one night with alcohol, and uh, it just changed lives forever. I don't want you to call anybody's names, but can you speak about that for a second? Um, I, I, I'm, well, I mean, it's without even saying names. I mean, you just see it in the media um, that even though if it's a professional athlete, at some point in time they were a college student athlete. Mm -hmm. um, the red flags may not have gone up then, and now that they are professional, it's it's out there. Um, but it happens, so you have to make sure that you're doing what uh, we can do here at the University of Kansas to make them aware, to say that, you know what, you're not invincible. Uh, a lot of things can happen to you. Uh, let's educate you about it. Uh, to hope you make a good choice uh, as you continue to move forward in your life. Well, you're doing a great job. I don't really hear a lot of problems with the student-athletes here at Kansas. Um, let's have some fun now. When I think about my, uh, my playing days and getting my ankles taped and having to shave my legs, uh, this falls under your department. The guys shave their legs. You tape their ankles. Are there guys, and again, you don't have to call out their name, are there guys that, um, that shave their legs like too high all the way up? Uh, you know what? Some do, but there aren't too many guys that even shave their legs anymore. <laughs> oh, they don't? I mean, they just yeah. let it rip off? Yeah. We, well, uh. you know what? We put pre-wrap on there. We're, uh. we're, we're a little soft now. Okay. No, well, that I'm, kidding. Was, I'm kidding. That was ancient history when I <laughs> shaved my legs. Um, well, how about uh, 
toenails. Uh, this, this, is getting, this is getting disgusting, but, you know, you got a guy out there who's just not taking care. He needs a, he needs a Manny or a pet. He needs a Petty. And uh, do you, can you, you know, you're the, you're the highest on the totem pole. Can you say, hey, you know what, you're new in the department. You go do his rap job because I don't want to look at those toenails. <laughs> uh, yeah, I usually give that to the interns. <laughs> <laughs> They, they get it. to deal with those guys. <laughs> I love it. All right. Murphy Grant, the uh, assistant athletic director in charge of sports medicine here at the University of Kansas. I can't let you go without a basketball story. Uh, five national championships. Uh, um, Danny Manning, Bill Self, the coach. I mean, it's almost a pro system here. It's like a pro team. Uh, give me your, one of your best uh, KU uh, Jayhawks basketball stories. Well, you know, I, I think it's when they that won the national championship. Um, 08? 08. Uh, what, what a fun time and an excitement time for the University of Kansas. Uh, in January, the football team won the Orange Bowl. And then the same year, national championship for basketball. What, a, what, 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 what a memorable moment for University of Kansas and athletics history. Uh, but that basketball team, they were good. They're really good, and, and, I and our to, coach is one of the best for sure. I got to believe they won that national championship because of the tape jobs. <laughs> Absolutely, those ankles were tight. <laughs> yes, they were. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, they're doing a lot of good stuff here at Kansas and uh, Murphy Grant. We can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Adam. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio on the road in New Jersey at Georgian Court University. I'm with uh, Campus Activities Director. Aaron McCarran. And it rhymes. It's beautiful. Aaron McCarran. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? I'm wonderful. And uh, did I get your title right? Campus Activities Director? Um, I would love to be a director, but right now I'm a coordinator, so I appreciate the promotion. That was that was great. I love that. So yes. Coordinator of Campus Activities, yes. uh, Georgian Court University. Real quick, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about this university, uh, what part of New Jersey we're in. We're about 15 to 20 minutes from the Jersey Shore. Um, we were, what's really fascinating about us is that we were established in 1908 as an all-women's uh, college. We eventually turned into an all-women's university, and just last year we, was our first year that we went co-educational. So this is only two years that we've had men on campus, so it's been a bit of a transition, but it's been exciting and, and new, and it's brought a whole new, fresh perspective to the campus life and the university. That is amazing to me. I, there, there are a lot of campuses that, that were all-female, teachers, colleges, nursing colleges that became um, co-ed, and that usually happened, you know, 50 years ago. I, I can't believe this campus has been around over 100 years, and you're only in your second year of co-ed. That's kind of cool. Yes, just our second year. Um, it's been... It's been great because all of a sudden now we have men's sports teams. We have like a, a men's basketball team and a men's soccer team and a men's track and field. And, you know, they've brought such a different, fresh dynamic to the campus. And just, you know, obviously the reaction to the girls has been great. And, you know, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. It's been, it's been exciting. And it's, you know, it's also come with some challenges as well. So, you know, we've been working with those. And, and um, we did a lot of preparation now um, in order to, you know, uh, prepare for the transition. So. Did you see, I guess, the first year you opened it up, co-ed, did you have to market to the male high school students to come here, or did they just, you know, maybe that, that gender, you know, the attraction to a female, were they like, ooh, we can go to Georgian Court University now. All those girls are there. Let's go there. 
Um, I think it, it was 50-50. I mean, for our athletics teams, it was great because all of a sudden now you're a freshman and you're going to start on a varsity basketball team for a yeah. Division two. So that was a no-brainer for a lot of our athletes. They're like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, you know, I'm not competing with seniors. I'm going to be the first one, you know, off the bench. Um, but we did do a huge marketing campaign. Um, so we saw just a huge influx in our in our admissions and population. And just it's been um, it's been pretty easy to recruit the guys. It's it's not you know it hasn't been hard. It's it's pretty it's pretty much a self seller. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, a lot of rich history here. We encourage our listeners to check it out. Google Georgian Court University. Uh, it just popped into my head. Have you ever had a student or hear, heard this story that a student applied here? Uh, got here and was surprised to find out maybe even a week before classes started that this campus was not in the state of Georgia. Yes, and also a lot of my vendors um, call me. A lot of the different, you know, groups that are trying to book acts and everything like that, they're saying, oh, you know, we're in your area. We're going to be in Atlanta. Um, you know, we're going to be in, like, you know, Bacon, Georgia, whatever. And I'm like, no, this is Georgian, Georgian Court, Georgian Court, Lakewood. New Jersey. They're Lakewood, like, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. So Erin McCarran is our guest. She works with campus activities. And in addition to um, bringing in uh, entertainment for the students, um, you bring in, I guess, uh, life skills presentations and keynote speakers to uh, get important topics across to your students on campus. What kind of things are you doing here? One of the things that we did um, was we brought in Scream Theater from Rutgers University, which was an amazing sexual assault program last year that we did. And what was so great was that it was peer-driven. It's students talking to students. And they do a reenactment of a sexual assault, um, obviously fully clothed. And it's just a, a reenactment. You get the idea. And afterwards, there's a Q&A session with the, the students that are actually in character. And so they answer questions as the characters themselves. Uh-huh. And then um, that's about 20 minutes, and then for another 20 minutes, they're asking questions as they're as themselves, and what it was like playing that character. So, what was it like playing the girl that got assaulted? What was it like playing the guy that you know didn't stop when she said no, and, and all those different dynamics? And the students just got so into it; they were, you know, they, I mean, the, the participation was amazing, and it was on a Sunday night at like you know. Eight o'clock. I mean, they could have been watching football, and they came out and they saw it, and it was it was phenomenal. It was had a really major impact on a lot of them. And in addition to those impactful, meaningful uh, life skills presentations, you also book bands, uh, music, uh, jugglers, magicians, entertainment. Yeah. And from uh, the parents' perspective, um, this is something I was explaining to a friend of mine. Uh, if, if you're looking for different colleges for your child to go to or help them choose, you might be more inclined to lean towards the university that offers some sort of entertainment or, or a different option on a Friday night rather than hitting a campus uh, bar or a fraternity party or an off-campus apartment party. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are options on that campus to go have movie night down at the student union, mm-hmm. that's somewhere I want my daughter to go to school. Yes, definitely. We, um, because we're in a very highly orthodox Jewish neighborhood, we don't have the outside campus life that, you know, maybe a Rutgers or, you know, a Monmouth University has. So we really have to bring in the campus entertainment. We have to provide that college experience, that college life, which is so important. It's actually just as important as the education itself because it's co-ed, it's, um, you know, they're learning 
different, they're applying the so they're learning about the social skills, the soft skills that they need. They need to learn how to interact with their their fellow peers. They need to have these experiences. They need to build these relationships. They need to um, create some sort of you know attachment to the school itself and create these memories. So it's a lot easier and it's a lot safer when we bring the parties to the school or when we bring the entertainment to the school and we provide these opportunities for them to socialize, have fun, be college kids, but in a safe environment. So. And finally, uh, this is a Catholic university. Uh, let's talk faith for a minute. Mm -hmm. What kind of, uh, I guess, faith-based options do you encourage or provide for your students? Do they have to go to church every day? No. Uh, students, uh, chapel's optional. Um, we are a Catholic university. Uh, we're founded by the Sisters of Mercy, who are wonderful um, women um, who really focus on, you know, the, the core values, five core values of compassion, service, respect, justice, and um, integrity. So those are kind of the foundation for Georgian court. So we, um, at Mass, it's open to everybody. If anybody wants to come to a Catholic service, they can. Um, we, it's open to all denominations. Um, we do not necessarily have other practices that go on. We, we don't have, like, you know, a, a, a Jewish service or, you know, Protestant Mass or anything like that. But it, we are open to all religions. And in fact, I think the majority of our students actually are probably more Baptist um, Christian faith than they are actually Catholic. So um, it's, it's really open to everybody. It's more about the core values, the mercy core values that we focus on as opposed to the, um, the actual um, rigors of the, the Catholic you know, okay. standards. Aaron McCarran, thank you for your hospitality here at Georgian Court University. The website is? Uh, www.georgian.edu. Georgian.edu. And it's just a beautiful campus, a lot of history, 15 minutes from the beach. I was at the boardwalk yesterday. It's gorgeous. I'm sure the summer months are outrageous here, uh, and it's pretty in the fall as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we have a really, this used to be a historical land site, so there's a lot of rich history. There's a lot of urban legends that you can look up. Um, it's a really unique, special place, and I, I have to say I love it here. So it's great. Well, thank you for your time. No problem. Thank you. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is rolling on with the American Heart Association. We're going to talk about heart health now, heart health awareness. We are joined now by Tim Harms. Hi, Tim. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks for having us on the show. I Okay, communications, you've got the marketing background. You um, promote heart health. Do you practice heart health? Do my best, yeah. Yeah, yeah I uh, try to exercise uh, several times a week and trying to eat healthy as well. You're in shape. You, I noticed, first thing I noticed coming to your office, it's on the second floor, so you had to sneak a little workout in for me. I got my heart rate up coming up the stairs. That's right. Well, that's one of the things we encourage for people when we talk about, you know, ways to incorporate exercise. We certainly talk about, you know, you could park farther away. You can take the stairs instead of an elevator. So there are easy ways to incorporate heart health into your daily life. You'll be, you'll be proud of me when I tell you this. I, I do a lot of traveling, a lot of airports, a lot of conveyor belt sidewalks. I skip every one of them and just walk. How about that? That's great. That's great. <laughs> you know, something interesting that's come around, too, in the last couple of years is there's a number of airports across the country that have designated walking paths in them, uh, designated by the American Heart Association as walking paths. So instead of just sitting at the, the gate waiting for your connecting flight, you can actually walk around the terminal and get a little bit of exercise and, and stay healthier that way. 
Great ideas that get the uh, the heart rate up at all times. We're with Tim Harms from the American Heart Association uh, with a marketing communications background, and you've been, I, I guess, just how many years have you worked here? About five. Five. So you've, uh, you could actually do some open heart surgery then. You, you've got the medical knowledge now, too. Well, I'm still working on that. Let me ask you a little bit more about... I guess the medical side of, of this business, uh, heart health awareness, you really get down to it. Uh, what are some of the big issues uh, coming from your office as far as m- maybe, you know, defib- defibrillators, if I said that correctly, defibrillators in elementary schools or, um, you know, cholesterol levels, which I know nothing about. I mean, what are the big issues from your side of the room? Well, a few years ago, we kind of narrowed heart health down to um, – some of the big issues for folks down to what we call life simple seven. If you can kind of manage seven factors or be aware of those seven things, you will improve your heart health. Um, so one of those is obviously to reduce smoking, cut out tobacco use in general. Um, that's really one of the leading causes of preventable death in the U.S. is, is still smoking and tobacco use. So um, tobacco use would be one. A healthy diet would certainly be the other, the right amount of exercise, those couple things that I mentioned earlier. And then the other points do come down to you know knowing and managing your cholesterol, your blood pressure, and your blood uh, blood sugar levels, you know, those are some of the key components to heart health. So we're, we're, we're working, you know, those are very educational things that we're working on as part of our mission, um, getting people to know what those numbers are, to understand what they are, and then to work with their physicians on an individual basis to manage, you know, whatever their situation might be. We do a lot with fitness, health and fitness, uh, outside the realm of, um, heart disease or, or cancer awareness. Uh, we just talk a lot about fitness and child obesity and stuff like that. And I never really did the math or connected the dots. Uh, your weight, your obesity levels, uh, definitely affect how hard your heart is working to pump that blood through your body. Do you, uh, have any advice for me and our listeners on how to, uh, I guess be a little bit more fit? Well, I would say for adults, we encourage 150 minutes of exercise per week. And for kids, it's 60 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing that we can do is just get up and be active when it comes to exercise. Um, One of the things the American Heart Association really recommends for adults is walking. It's the easiest way to get into an exercise program. Um, You can do it anywhere. There's no cost. You don't have to join. You don't have to buy special equipment. And so what we've seen is a lot of people who will start a walking program, especially folks who might be overweight and have always like, how can I start dropping some weight, you know, and they, they think about big things they have to do joining a gym. A lot of people, if they can start walking, 20 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, what we've seen is they develop that habit. Pretty soon they're walking 30 minutes a day, 40 minutes a day. They might start take take up jogging or some other form of exercise. It kind of builds on itself, but it seems like walking is the foundation that gets it all started. So if you can start doing that 15 minutes a day, um, do that and then, and then see where it leads you. You hit the nail on the head because it's a daunting task to think about joining a gym. I got to start working out. I got to be healthy. I need to get fit. I need to get in shape. Just walk. Start walking. And to piggyback what you're saying, a friend of mine has battled some weight issues for a long time. And she recently got, you know, use technology to your advantage with your smartphone and your apps. And she got one of these uh, wristband things. And I don't know what it's called, but we're going to promote it right now. It, it's, its main focus is that it wants you to walk 10,000 steps every day. And it measures 
through like a pedometer sort of and through GPS how many steps you've walked through the day. Even when you're in the office, it counts your steps. And it sends you a text message when you're halfway home. When you've got 5,000 steps, it'll send you a message and say, congratulations, you're halfway there. When you get your 10,000th step, it'll say, congratulations, you reached your goal. When you walk 20,000 steps in one day, it'll send you another text message. Wow, congratulations. And she's been doing this about five or six weeks, and she's lost like 28 pounds without even changing her diet, really. Just getting off the couch and walking and being a little more conscious about walking. And now, with that 28 pounds gone, she's more likely to take that next step you're saying, join a gym. Maybe run. Maybe get a little more active. Maybe play tennis. Do something with that 30 pounds now gone. And uh, the whole health and fitness you know, mentality of an everyday lifestyle change with that stupid little wristband that she wears that measures how many steps she takes every day. So you're right. Just start with walking and go from there. Our guest is Tim Harms with the American Heart Association. Uh, your background is in uh, marketing. When you started working here as the communications director, did you realize how much information and knowledge that you'd have from the medical side, the health and fitness side, the heart health awareness side that would become so prevalent in your life? I really didn't. You know, one of the things I think that people don't know about the American Heart Association is really how many things we're involved in. Because um, I remember, too, before joining the organization, you, you have a general picture. I think most people have a general picture. The American Heart Association does good things for, for the heart, something like that. You don't, But it's hard to know maybe necessarily what specific programs they're involved in. So when you when you dig deeper into the Heart Association, you, you learn about, uh, we have advocacy efforts and we've We've worked in communities to pass laws, uh, complete streets uh, ordinances where new construction that takes place, they have to then take into consideration the need for sidewalks, the need for bike lanes, you know, the ways to get people out of their cars and, and, and get active. Um, we have initiatives, again, a lot of states have just passed um, CPR graduation requirements so that our high school students now will be required to learn CPR as a high school graduation requirement, um, training that next generation of lifesavers because there are almost 400,000 incidences of sudden cardiac arrest per year. Most of those are going to occur in the home or in private places where if you're waiting three, four, five minutes for uh, EMTs to get there, your chances of survival go down to about 8, 9, 10%. And so if we have more people who've trained in CPR, we have better chance at saving lives. So we are, we're doing all those types of community programs, education programs, and at the same time, uh, the heart of our mission, much of our mission remains funding research. You know, over the, the last few decades, things like stents and pacemakers, bypass surgeries, all those things that we kind of take for granted in 2014, those have all stemmed from research and things that have been funded over the last 20, 30, 40 years, and, um, you know, it's exciting to see all those developments. It's pretty amazing. You think about, just in my own family, my mother's father, my grandfather, who I never met, died when my mom was 19, heart disease. He was one of the first, you know, recipients of some sort of open-heart surgery procedure in 1950-whatever, um, and had he been alive today, or around today, he'd, be st he'd still be with us with all the technology and the medical advances, yeah. stents and all that stuff. So my aunt, my mom's sister, she's 80 years old. She was just uh, in the hospital this week for, an, for a procedure and got a few stents put in. And I mean, she's already out on the sidewalk walking. So she's 80. She's got another a lot of years left in her life. And uh, the advances medically are amazing. The advances um, with awareness 
from my perspective, from doing this public affairs radio show, are even more amazing. The way people are – it's just top of mind now. People, people bypass the sidewalk conveyor belt at the airport because they want to walk because they know it's good for their heart. That's cool. Yeah, it is exciting. And even some of the cardiologists that I've talked with um, – they recognize that people come to them with much more of an awareness about what's going on and, and um, expectations about what kind of treatment they can receive, but also expectations about the kind of things that they need to do themselves to, you know, lead a healthier lifestyle. Now, let me ask you this question. I, I put you on the spot medically. Um, again, we're speaking with Tim Harms with the American Heart Association. I'm in my mid-40s. Uh, I've had a chest pain or two here or there. Maybe it was stress. Maybe it was a French fry lodged in my heart. I don't know. Uh, but I've gone to the doctor and had, um, you know, the stress test and everything. Um, and they were happily, uh, at least on my <laughs> point of view, I was happy that they said, you're fine. Because uh, mm -hmm. I, I try to run a lot, um, a lot for me anyway. And I try to get a lot of exercise. And they were uh, very happy with my all my levels and, and my blood flow and everything was fine. It was just probably some stress. Um, what can you tell a guy like me who's listening to the show right now who did who hasn't gone to get a checkup? What age should you make that appointment to maybe just go get a stress test, that, which isn't that expensive? Well, I think, you, again, it depends on the individual. I would really encourage people just to, um, yeah, if you haven't seen your doctor in a while, Go see your doctor, have a conversation. Start the conversation with your doctor on what is appropriate for you. Should you be going in for a checkup every year? Should you be getting a physical every five years, you know, based on your particular situation? That's really what it's going to come down to. But certainly anybody and everybody listening, if you haven't had a conversation with your physician recently, now's a great time. You know, go in and make that appointment, get a physical, and have that conversation with your doctor. You know, I know... I know heart disease is the number one killer in America. What should I be doing personally in my life to make sure that I you know, reduce the risk as much as I can? That's powerful what you just said. It's the number one killer in America. Maybe a lot of people, I didn't know that. I mean, just if you said, what's the number one killer in America? I don't know if it'd be, I'd have it about in the top 10 maybe, but I didn't know it was the number one killer in America, heart disease. Dr. Harms, thank you, Tim, so much for joining us. Thank you, I appreciate it. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com. Marriott.